You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Well, welcome back to Sprott Money News. This is your Weekly Wrap-Up for Friday, July 22nd, 2016. I'm your host, Craig Hemke, and joining us as usual this fine Friday morning is Eric Sprott himself. Eric, happy Friday. Hey, Greg. Good morning. It hasn't been one of our greatest weeks ever, but... uh... Always uh, lots of great things to look forward to, seeing as the world is kind of unfolding as uh, you and I might have imagined it. Yeah, we always talk about not getting too caught up in the tick-by-tick stuff. This week is characterized so far by, it feels kind of like a bad week, but gold's only down $5 from last Friday. Silver's down a little more, the miners are down about 2 or 3%. Is, it, is this just that typical bull market pattern, Eric, of two steps forward, one step back, or is there something more uh, uh, concerning going on here? Well, I guess as I look at it, you know, we've, we're having a uh, post-Brexit correction, and we did rally $60 out of Brexit. And quite frankly, we've almost covered all of that off. I think we got down to something like 1310 after having been at 1370 uh, And it might just be the correction because it sort of bolted so quickly. Uh, we had a great recovery yesterday out of nowhere for seemingly no reason other than, I guess, Mr. Corotis, he wasn't going to have helicopter money. Uh, of course, one is always dubious when central bankers talk because they tend to lie just so they can set, up, set it up when the helicopter money comes and it has more impact. You don't want to say things ahead of time. Um, but it's typically the summer doldrums here. We've had um, India a little bit AWOL. And as you know, start starting in sort of August, September, uh, India will come back into the market. They're going to be a very, very big influence. The uh, physical markets for the ETFs have still been quite strong, although they're getting a little more uh, kind of volatile on a day-to-day basis. I mean, earlier in some of the stronger months, it was just every day the the ETF balances were going up, but they kind of they're getting a little choppier. But still, the performance has been stunning. So uh, I, of course, believe everything's in place for great things to happen. Uh, but you've got to put up with these little corrections, and uh, we'll get through it. The stocks haven't really come off that much, so it's not too bad, actually. You mentioned the ETF market. We've talked about that quite a bit. The World Gold Council put out a thing I saw yesterday. It said 580 metric tons of gold into gold ETFs, about half of that into the GLD so far this year. I was speaking with uh, a friend of ours yesterday, James Turk who just laughs us off, just think it's just such a big scam, though he does recommend the Sprott physical funds. He obviously knows that they're not. Uh, what do you make of that? Is that when they mention 600, that's 220% of global mine supply, Eric. <laughs> Where's well, it coming from? You know, Craig, I've, I've always believed that the demand on an annual basis is already higher than supply. And somehow uh, through trickery, uh, and or through paper, they make it look like, you know, it's in balance. When you have, let's say, 500 tons in half a year, I mean, that's a 1,000-ton change in a 4,000-ton market. Uh, I mean, how do you have somebody come in and take 25% of a market in a year when he, when he the previous year he was shedding tons? I mean, and the price do nothing. So I'm kind of with those people who are skeptics about whether the GLD can actually receive 28 tons in a day. I mean, I just can hardly believe it. I don't know where where that would come from. Right. I don't even think there's a mi- mining company produces probably over, what, 20 tons a year? The biggest mining company in the world produces 20 tons a year? Like, how do you get 28 tons in a day? 
from somewhere. I mean, where, where would this gold possibly come from? So I'm very skeptical that, uh, that the gold that the GLD says they have in their vaults is in the vault. It may be a promise to deliver, but I suspect it's not in the vault, but is due to arrive someday. And of course, in our sphere of thinking, it may never arrive. Exactly. You just need uh, David Copperfield, the magician, to change his name to David Goldfield and kind of wave his wands around. Uh, I do want to talk about something uh, a little more uh, substantial, though. Uh, The last week has had some significant uncertainty, military coup in Turkey. Turkey, one of the largest uh, importers, demanders, the Turkish citizens have a long history of owning gold, buying it low uh, and really valuing it. And here we've seen tremendous volatility in the Turkish lira this week. Are we finding now on top of Europe, on top of China, on top of India, a whole new port of physical gold demand coming onto the scene? Well, you know, pretty well every week or month, some country's currency gets obliterated. In fact, I think the pound is down 2% today. I mean, 2% in a day? That is incredible for a currency to go down 2% in a day. And the lira going down, I forget, I don't even know what the percent was, but it's obviously 20 or 30 or something. And it keeps telling me, you've got to have your savings in the strongest currency, not a weak currency. And whether that weak currency is the British pound or the euro or the Turkish lira or the Venezuelan bolivar. I mean, there's so many examples of places where people in countries, all of the population, all of the population would be better off owning gold and or silver than owning their fiat currency. And it's just, how many countries do we have to go to? And how many currencies do we have to have the base before people figure it out? I mean, we, I would think we're way past the point of no return in terms of people knowing that gold is by far the stronger currency. So it's just another brick in the wall here. And sooner or later, you know, just bring in more people all the time. And the tsunami of interest is going to overwhelm the uh, the paper sellers here, given time. And it's that physical demand that underpins uh, the paper price that we hope the physical removal of the system is what brings the paper system down. And to that end, Eric, it seems like the Japanese are starting to wise up. We've heard these uh, stories in the last few weeks about Japanese co- uh, companies buying big silver refiners and gold refiners in Europe. Well, coming on Monday, the Tokyo Commodity Exchange is going to start its own physical gold contract. Sounds like another potential arbitrage opportunity to me. What do you make of that? Well, of course, I'm encouraged by it, and uh, we've been encouraged recently by uh, some of the data points coming out of Japan uh, that the citizenry there with the negative interest rates has decided that they should allocate a much more significant portion of their savings to gold. So, again, it's another, even though the yen has been strong, uh, the, the people still, you, you're getting z- negative interest rates. You're in probably a very leveraged banking system. And, of course, maybe, maybe the citizens don't buy into the theory that the Japanese yen should be a safe, safe haven currency which I have a tough time even saying, by the way. Mm-hmm. It seems like the furthest thing from a safe haven currency in my, the logic of my mind. So maybe that's what the people in Japan think. And the fact that they're, they have a physical settlement um, exchange uh, beginning uh, to operate on Monday 
it's just another, again, another brick in the wall here. Let's bring it on. Let's let's make it easier for people to own the physical. And uh, we'll monitor, of course, uh, the success of that uh, new exchange. Well, all right, Eric. It is going to be a very interesting week next. Uh, we've talked a lot about the long-term factors affecting price, but in the short term, next week could be quite volatile. We've got options expiration in New York. We've got the front month August contract going off the board as well. But then we've got an FOMC meeting with an FOMC statement and a Bank of Japan meeting with a Bank of Japan statement. It's going to be a crazy week. Uh, how do you assess the week ahead? Well, you know, Craig, I think the most important element of the those various items you discussed is probably what's going to happen on the COMEX, right? I mean, we have a huge open interest in uh, August gold here. I mean, it's just humongous for the what we got five days left to to trade and i think there's over two hundred thousand contracts still yes um we've had yet again this month uh where the july deliveries went up as the month went up the open interest went up even though it wasn't and it was all for physical settlement and we've almost hit we're, we're close to 20 tons of deliveries yep. in a sort of a non-delivery month um so you keep seeing this evidence of people standing in their place of course, the open interest has been going up as the price has gone down, which is hugely counterintuitive. You'd think everyone be, might be running for the hills here. Uh, but people seem to be standing in there. So, yeah, I think next week is going to be very exciting. I would think that if the physical demand on COMEX stays where it is, there's going to be a lot of bankers, these eight guys that, you know, own pretty well all the open interest uh, short uh, might have a day of reckoning coming up here. So we're, we're going to look forward to that. And, of course, the comments from the banks, the central banks, um, not that I think that they're hugely important, but I think the central banks make their comments have an impact in the market, which is normally a gold negative. Uh, but ultimately, I think the crowd is seeing through the, the potency of central banks. that They literally are impotent these days. There's not much happening economy-wise, considering the trillions of dollars of, of uh, financial instruments that those central banks have purchased. So I, I tend to discount the central banks. I know the market focuses on it entirely. I'm more focused on, well, let's just see what's going on in the physical market for gold and silver here to see who's going to win this day. So it should be very exciting. You mentioned that, that gold uh, deliveries on the COMEX. Again, that's Everyone knows it's not much of a, a delivery market, but it is an interesting data point, isn't it? That uh, ju we had massive sixteen thousand contracts in in June, which is really an outlier compared to what they normally have three or four thousand, and then almost six thousand contracts in July. It'll be interesting to see how many stand in August. Yeah, well, we have a huge open interest. I mean, I, I realize I've watched these huge open interest numbers, and they just crumble you know, at the end. I don't know how yeah. how it's all arranged that they crumble, but. I mean, it's, it is so outsized. I mean, my goodness, if you, even if, if 10% of them stood for delivery, it would be a big month. So we'll see. we got five days for it to unwind itself. Uh, it should be, uh, should be very exciting. It's going to be a wild week. I look forward to uh, speaking with you next week because we'll look back and go, wow, that was probably that was really something. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. We prefer those to these weeks when, you know, it's not quite coming together for us, so. We have that to look forward to, I'm sure. Well, all the best, my friend. I hope you have a great weekend and certainly look forward to speaking with you again next week. Okay, Craig. All the best to you. And from everyone here at Sprott Money News, thank you for listening and have a great weekend. <laughs>